We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. You know, before I get started, I just want to tell you guys, you know what I find the hardest about coming up here? Is this, you know, no one ever told me about I should hold this thing in my left hand or right hand, whether I should walk up and down. I always thought I'll come up here and just say the word. But guys, I'm working on it, so it's fine. You see, open my laptop. I'm getting it. But yeah, so as Pastor Will mentioned, about a month ago, you know, we see our names pop up. And, um, and yeah, I really, I, I started with a message, and as I was halfway through the message, I kind of deleted it. You know, I just felt, honestly, God, it's something else for my heart. And I just want to share that with you guys tonight. And, um, you know, walking with God. You know, church's evening, as, as we wrap up the series, was walking with God. I thought that would be fitting just to talk a bit about you know, my journey, how I've been walking with God these last few weeks or last few months and even years, you know. And I really hope that someone will get encouraged by, by what has God, God has done through my life. So I'm just going to be open and bold here tonight because I believe that is how we're going to be transformed. So church, I never really understood this, you know, but um, when I did and God revealed to me that he needs a place to land, he needs a place to land, meaning that I can know all the scriptures. But if it doesn't have a place to land in my life, or if I don't become it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean much. But now listen to what I say. Like if I give you an example, I can stand up here all day and I can preach to you guys that God loves you. But you have to receive that love. You know, I can tell you guys God is merciful. But it's another thing for you guys to receive that. You know, God is forgiving. And I'm always true. We know it. It's in the Bible. But it's another thing for you to be forgiven and live forgiven. You know, when I got this, it really like it transformed me and it transformed the way I saw the gospel. Um, it changed my perspective, my motive, my why in life. And I really understood why I am actually on this earth. And, you know, surprise, surprise, it's, it wasn't about me at all. Um, but it was everything to do with God that lives within me. You know, and... Um, it says, Luke 9, 23, and I say this a lot, but honestly, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. I can't deny myself and live for myself. I can't, you, you can't. So the reason I want to share this tonight is because for a long time I, I just had the wrong view of the gospel, and I'll explain it, and, and just how I thought God worked in my life. You see, I always thought the gospel was what I can get from God and, uh, and how God can make my day better. What about me? You know, me, me, God, me. But, you know, and I'll give an example of my cricketing career. Um, you know, I played professional cricket for four years, and while I was playing, I always thought that I was walking with God. I was walking with God. God's always there. But the view that I had was I'd listen to my worship songs the night before, because um, cause I was nervous, I needed God. And it, and it was great, you know, because it gives you that peace, which it does, but it was that peace for that moment, which is still great. But then I realized, looking back at my cricketing career, I was like, as soon as I stepped onto that field, it was like I left Jesus in my, in my cricket bag. We were still at the hotel. And all of a sudden, I was just, I realized only afterwards, I was just using God to get, to get what I wanted, in a way. And I was, I, was, I was praying prayers like, Lord, I, I, let me get this hundred. So if you guys don't know cricket, if you get a hundred, 
play professionally, <laughs> you're doing well. And I would pray prayers like this because I was like, Lord, can I please get 100? Because there's a selector looking at me. There's money at stake. And guess what? When I didn't get 100, when I didn't do well, that's how I viewed God. You know, and oh, I'll tell it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to say. There's a story. I've got a friend. He played for the, for the Black Caps. And this is where I realized, like, just our view on the gospel was just a bit wrong. And it's, it's not his fault. It's just... We were in a room together playing in Invercargill. Felicity. <laughs> Represents. And, uh, and um, we were talking the night before the game. We were just talking about Jesus and, you know, like our relationship with God. And, and it was awesome. It was real good. And then the next day, he, um, he's a bowler and uh, he got absolutely smashed. So, again, if you don't know cricket, if you get pumped, it's, it's not good. And uh, he got smashed. And I ran up to him and I was like, you know... Almost slipped his name. I was like, it's all good. You got another over, you know, the next one. And he just like, you know, came quite hard on me. He's like, oh, where's Jesus now? And in that moment, you know, I was just like, where's Jesus? <laughs> but, um, but reality is that's how I saw the gospel. You know, that's how I saw the gospel. And, and it was basically what he could do for me. Um, so when life was going, wow, my God was so good. You know, but when life was hard, I would, I would be like, God, where are you? What are you doing? You know? We, why aren't these people liking me? Why can't I get this job? What about me, 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 you know? And, you know, I mentioned last week a communion. If you guys were there, that if we are getting moved by our circumstances and what we go through, then Paul had a reason not to believe in God. You know, I'll quickly go through it again. He was separated from his friends. He was unjustly accused, brutally treated. He suffered and was almost forgotten in a harsh Roman prison. Think of his circumstances. But no matter what the circumstances, Thanksgiving was on Paul's lips all the time. And it changed his life. It changed his life. See, that's the thing. This gospel changes lives. And... um. Another story just in the Bible that also just, I just felt like God honestly revealed to me was King Nebuchadnezzar, oh, Daniel, sorry, 3, 16 to 18. King Nebuchadnezzar commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, <laughs> Abednego, sorry, I struggle to pronounce my name sometimes, so, <laughs> be thrown into the, uh, you know, the fiery furnace and ordered uh, that the furnace be heated up seven times its normal rate. When they walked out unharmed, even Nebuchadnezzar gave honor and glory to God. It says, why? Because, because in their circumstance, they didn't change. And they could see God in them. So now the story, like, to put it into practical sense. Let's say you find out you have cancer and you come to church and everyone prays for you, believing in God. And as we should, because, you know, God heals. We pray for you. And the next week you go back to the, sorry, you go back to the doctor and he says, you know, the cancer is actually spread. And um, next week you go back to church, you still believe God is good. We still believe because he's a living God. And we pray, go back to the doctor again the next week and he said, you know what, this thing is still spreading. So you've been thrown into the fiery furnace and it's getting hotter each time you see the doctor. So where is your faith going to go? Would I still believe God is the king of kings? 
or would my circumstances, like it did in the past, determine who my God is? You know? And I know that may, might, might be, it is an extreme example, but, but we all know that is life, eh? That is life. So, and just mention this 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, all circumstances. Now that scripture has to land in your life in order for you to truly live it out. I used to know that scripture, but as soon when things came my way, because it didn't land in my life, I just couldn't live it out. And it was, again, and, and, and you know, that's, that's the way I saw the gospel. I, I honestly saw it, it was a survival kit to get me through my day. So when I fully got hold of letting God land in my life, walking with him every day, and every minute denying myself, not waking up for me, I realized that the gospel is so much more than a survival kit. That is, it's the answer to a brand new life, you know. And God revealed that if I'm finding my identity by how I'm doing, or what I do or how people treat me, I'll always get turned upside down, determined of how that is going in my day. And one, and one of those things will always determine how my day is going. And it did. So all of a sudden, my, a perspective change made me realize that how I'm doing in terms of my circumstances and feelings should not determine who I am and how I'm doing. Who I am is found in Christ, and I have to start there, I have to stay there, and I have to live there. Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed, behold, the new has come. Even though I used, I used to memorize that scripture and know it, it only transformed me when it had a place to land in my life. That was when I really saw that I am a new creation, and I started living like that. He revealed to me that if my whole pursuit is about feeling better in the moment, like I did when I was still playing cricket, just seeking God for that moment, then I'm only just a moment away from not feeling okay. And how I'm feeling is how I'm doing instead of what He is in me or what I believe. So now if I worship and see God's face, I don't feel like, and, and you know how we sometimes we just don't feel Him, the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't mean that He's not there. Because I realize now that it's not about feelings, it's about knowing. It's about knowing. Now that I understand the gospel, it is not about me, but how, again, like I say, but about him who is in me. When I get laid off, I don't become laid off. I'm still a son, you're still a daughter. And he says you've still got a plan for your life. Galatians 3, 20, 26, for you are all children, sons and daughters. Of God through faith in Jesus. That scripture has landed in my life. No matter what happens, we are sons and daughters. No matter what your circumstance. So even if I get laid off, he's still in me and I am still shining. And he's still, he's still shining through me. You know, Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. That scripture has landed in my life. And I truly believe it is no longer I who live. If it was I who live, I can tell you no, I won't be standing up here. 100%. And, 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 you know, my life should reflect that. You know, how great would it look like, let's say that if we do get laid off and, 
instead of being all, ooh, ah, you know, God, where are you? What's happening? I thought you loved me. We still shine. We still shine. And, and, and you know, we just start changing our language and say, God, I certainly didn't see that one coming. But, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you that I grew in that company. I thank you that, you know, change the way you see. I thank you, Lord, that you still have a plan for my life, that when one door closes, another one opens. Because the scripture started landing in my life. Because when you have that response in life, that is when we show, that we shine, and when our non-believing friends and families see that there is a difference in us. And they see that, you know, he's shining, no matter what the circumstance. I started realizing this. And shows why, why I am so passionate about this is because, honestly, right now, I'm truly seeing why Jesus died on the cross. And I thank God every day for his amazing grace to make me see him more and more. Every day I wake up and just get to know him a bit more each day. And the reality is that I still, I still have a lot of family members and friends that are unsaved. The old me would have had this mentality of, oh, well, you know, I've, I've said this prayer. I'm in the book of life. To heaven with me, to hell with the rest. It's being real. I used to know the Bible, quote it. And then be the first one in my family to blow, uh, to blow up at my sister, at my mum, at my dad. That's really showing the, the love of the Father through, through you. But why? It's just because it hasn't landed in my life. I just, I just didn't understand the true gospel of becoming it. I would tell my family when I got saved, you know, you better, you better believe. Because there's a heaven and there's a hell. And then argue about it for how long and then, uh, and then, and then just argue about it because they're just not seeing what I am seeing in that, you know, in, in that time of my life. But no wonder they didn't want it because they looked at the fruits that I was producing and, and, and I'm telling them God's living in me, but yet living like that, blowing up with them. And God said in James 1.19 that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. But yet I was, I would be ticked off, had a whole lot to say, and I just don't want to hear it. That was me. So that obviously didn't land in my life. So now by the grace of God and becoming what he paid for, I've become love. Remember my... No. Can I just quickly tell a story? I'm going to go there. I thought about it the other day when my first time I came up here. And uh, I was talking about love for those of you who weren't here. And uh, it was funny because, you know, I talk about, you know, um, in one, well, 1 James 4.18, perfect love casts out all fear. But while I was saying that, I was like, perfect love casts out all fear. <laughs> Evidently, yeah. Like, <laughs> anyways. Um, so church, what I really want to say is that, that, you know, shine no matter what your circumstance in life. You know, whether, whether you have a good day or a bad day, you always have Jesus. Which actually means you should always just have a good day. Yeah, honestly. And, and at the end of my cricketing career, before I went out to play, I would, talk, I would walk onto the field with God. And I would just thank him. I'd say, Lord, thank you that I can play this game that I love. You know, perspective change. And whatever happens on this field, then I can still shine. And the freedom that I got from that and speaking to God like that, that no matter what, whether I get a duck or a hundred, it doesn't matter. I, I was still shining. The freedom that you get from that is that, that's truly heaven coming down. You know, sorry, what's it? That's heaven on earth. That's heaven on earth. 
that's heaven on earth. Because no person, no circumstance, no co-worker, absolutely nothing will get me away from me and my God. And I realized it was never about me, like I said, scoring that hundred or about being, oh, but it was about God being seen through my life. To my teammates, guess what? If, if we lost a game, if we got a duck, didn't matter. Didn't matter at all. People saw the change in me and they just couldn't understand because I was living it. It was all about perspective change. It was never my identity. You know, when I, when I see this, all of a sudden, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I'm a son in my heart and there's nothing else on this planet that can change it. Honestly, nothing. So good. So now when I wake up every morning, come high or high water, I shine and I thank God that mercy's woken me up another day and that he's graced me with another day to become more like him. No matter what comes my way, I will reflect his love on everything and everyone that I come in contact with. You know, my family and friends may not be seen clearly now, but I thank God that in his timing that he will, make, he will make them see who they are and who they were created to be. And, you know, whether he uses me and, and my consistency, it's not up to me at all. So I'm going to stop. Fortunately, it's not me anymore, you know. So and, and just to finish off, my group knows that I always tell, tell myself every morning, you know, life is a gift and not a grind. And I, and I wake up with that every day because it gives me my perspective from when I wake up. Life is a gift and not a grind. And now I wake up every morning, know that I'm righteous, in God's eyes, I wake up and I'm not sin conscious, hoping not to sin. I just wake up now knowing I'm a son, I'm a daughter that he loves. And, and you know, God, he has a massive smile on his face as he's so proud of all of us, you know. It's the way we see God sometimes, guys. Perspective change. I wake up now every day and I don't need people to say the right things for me to be okay because it's... Because if that's the case, as I said, I'll only be as good as you are treating me. And I'll probably stay insecure and only be as strong as the weakness around me. And now, you know, I don't let what a person says or what a person does decide who I am if his name's not Jesus. Anyways, guys, I just... So, honestly, I hope that encouraged someone here tonight. Um, really, it, it's, it's all about him. That's why we come. We just got to, yeah, remember that. Um, so I'll just quickly pray and then I'll let Anna come. Father, I just thank you that, ooh, Father, I thank you that we can come here together. Lord, and I just pray that that these scriptures that we read every day, Lord, that it will find a place to land in our life. So that, Lord, when we walk out into our city, into Dunedin, wherever it may be, that people will see you shining through us, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for, for every single person that, that came here tonight. And Lord, that, that you are proud of everyone, Lord, your sons and your daughters that are here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. So next up, we have the beautiful Anna. And I guess we all know what she's like. So I'm excited. Go well, Anna. Thank you. Can we give it up for Sean? So good. As you take your seat, turn to someone, give them a high five and say, you're awesome. Yeah, just take a moment and just move around a little bit. So good. So good. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for sharing tonight. And um, not just sharing stories, not just sharing scriptures and reading from the Bible and telling us the Bible, um, but sharing your story. 
and how you've walked out your story and how, how those scriptures have found a landing place. And we see that in your life. We see how you walk through it. So thank you for sharing. And for everyone else in the room that um, is here, you've got a story as well. And your story adds a richness to our life. Your story adds a richness to this community. Whether you're very new here or you've been here since the inception (laughs) of this church, your story adds a richness to um, the life of the church. And so thank you for coming. Thank you for um, being our friends. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I guess... We're going to get into it. Um, as uh, some of you may know me, I've got a lot to say and a short amount of time to say it. So I'm just going to get in and go hard and then we can go home. Um, so we are wrapping up the walk series. And on the first day, Pastor Will talked about, um, or what, sort of laid the platform for what this stemmed from. And so in Psalm 1 in Georgia, everyone give it up for the media room in there. Yeah. All right, here we go. Can you see that? Yeah. So, but the whole first um, first session that Pastor Will led, setting up this series, was um, stemming from Psalm 1 and talking about walking with God. And he talked about walking in every season, and in every season we can bear fruit. And so in these verses here, um, the person who walks with the Lord and keeps the laws will be like a tree planted in streams of water, which yields its fruit. And the version we looked at said, in every season. And in my Bible, the version that I saw was it bears good fruit in every season. And so, um, oh, and then it goes on and says, whose leaves do not wither and whatever they do prospers. And I thought, that is a good word. But how can I take that home and apply it to my life? So over the series, that's what I've been unpacking. The word says that if we keep the laws of God, that we will bear good fruit. And in every season, even in winter, that but really got me. Because in winter, I like to complain about the cold. I like to complain about a lot of things. The darkness. Why do I choose to live in Dunedin? Because it's so cold and I don't like snow and stuff like that. But in those seasons too, I can bear good fruit. And the physical, but also in the spiritual as well. When I go through spiritual seasons of winter, that there is a promise that as I keep the law of God and as I walk with God, that I can bear good fruit. And so um, everyone say, good fruit. I believe you too can bear good fruit because it says it in the Bible and we can claim that for ourselves. Um, so yeah, as we've been unpacking this, I've sort of done this in a formal survey. So as I got the little... Um, the little notification, I know you're going to be sharing. I was like, I know what I'm going to be sharing on, but that's, yeah. Anyway, so I did this informal survey, um, and it's kind of like I might have asked questions or been in conversation or just been looking at media, and um, basically a large percentage of people were saying that um, they're ready to sign off the year and to start a new one. Now, some of you are laughing because we might have had those conversations. I don't know. Um, but many people are really just as like, mm, can we just send to 2020 back and go to 2021 already and stuff like that? But the Bible says that we can bear good fruit in every season, right? And so tonight I'm just going to unpack something that might stop us from bearing good fruit in any season. And um, what I have... Um, sort of out, 
unpacking, unpacked a little bit. Um, and so to be good fruit in every season, I think the first thing we need to do is go back to what was promised. Go back to what was promised at the start. Because I know that at the start of the year, I got promises. I was like, God, what are you saying about me this year? What are you saying about my marriage this year? What are you saying for my family this year? What are you saying for youth ministry this year? What are you saying for our church this year? And I got some promises. And then we went into lockdown with my, I went into lockdown with my new husband and I was like, I'm holding on to this promise, God. What you said will come through. Uh, no, it was, it was great. I love my husband. Um, yeah, but I got these promises. And then we went into lockdown and we kind of go into this hibernation season, being like, God, where are you? Where, where are you in this? How can I see good fruit in this? How can we redeem the time that was lost? You know, we're feeling this inside of us. Um, and I just want to start off with um, the first thing we need to do is remember the promises that were spoken. The God who spoke them at the start of the year is the same God who is now. The same God who was yesterday, who is today and will be forevermore, that he who started a good thing will see it through to completion. So the promises that we got at the start of the year, the promises that we've had before, he will see them through. And so the first thing we need to do before uh, to bear good fruit in every season is to know the God who gives the promises, that he will see things through to completion, that he is faithful. And to remember the promises, we went to T2 and we unpacked that, um, that this is a season of overflow for our church, that it is possible to sow and reap in the same year and that things will return a hundredfold. It's October, it's the 10th month of the year, but there will be overflow, but there will be a sowing and a reaping and that there will be things that are returned to us a hundredfold. And if we're struggling to believe that right now, let's go back to the God of the promise. Let's go back to the God who gave it to us at the start of the year. I'm holding on. I'm holding on. So, yeah, there are many things that can stop us walking into these promises. Some of them are out of our control. And you'll have things that have gone out of your control in your life. I won't name them, but you can probably put your finger on some. But there are also some within our means to affect. There are some things that happen that we can actually go and affect change in, that we can take responsibility for. And um, there's so many, but I'm just going to choose one to highlight tonight. And I've named it the everyone lie. Now, if you've been in my life around me, you know I like to talk and I like to share my revelations and stuff. So if you've heard some of these pieces before, I think it's still true. You know, it's not a one-off revelation. It's something that holds you through. And so we keep building and building. And I've taken it and built on it. So this everyone lie, what is it? I think this everyone lie is, is that our thoughts and our actions are affected by what we perceive everyone else is doing. And we catch ourselves saying, like, everyone is doing this, or everyone is saying this, or everyone is thinking, well, that's what everyone's saying, or that's what everyone's doing, you know? And it, it causes us to kind of be like, I can shrink back because that's what everyone else is doing, or I don't need to go and do that because no one else is doing that. 
And um, our overgeneralization of what we perceive everyone to be doing, thinking, saying, feeling affects how we walk through life. It can stop us from doing things or it can sort of divert us away from where we're walking. And so you can see this on the surface level. A really, really surface level thing that I went through at high school was everyone had an iPhone. There was a, a, I don't know. I don't know how they did, but everyone had an iPhone. Or everyone's shoes are so white. Something recently we went up to shout, everyone has white shoes and they're so clean, right? Right, yeah. Everyone else is going on holiday. I can see it on their Instagram stories and they're having such a great time and I'm stuck at home. And as I went, 12-year-old Anna would have said, everyone has Canterbury shorts. Everyone had Canterbury shorts. Do you remember those ones that are like stubbies and then they were like different colours around there? Yeah, everyone had Canterbury shorts except for me. Um, and then I got some and I was like, why does everyone have Canterbury shorts? They are so impractical. They ride up and they give you the chafe and I just don't understand why everyone has them. Um, so sometimes there's surface, surface level things. Um, but also there's some, sometimes it's a deeper everyone thing. And it's of greater consequence, things like everyone else is invited except for me. I'm invisible and worthless. Everyone else is getting promoted, but not me. I'm not valued in this space. Everyone else is in relationships, but not me. I'm unlovable. Everything works out for everyone else, but I'm unseen. I'm unnoticed. I'm unworthy of being in this space. Sometimes the everyone lie can be surface level that cause us to go out and spend lots of money on stuff. And other times the everyone lie causes us to shrink back, causes us to look down at our own feet, causes us to go into the spiral. Um, and so tonight, um, with the time that I've got, I'm going to um, unpack how we can catch that thinking and how we can rise above so we can walk in the promises of God and how, so that we can bear good fruit in every season. And I'd just like to point out that no one is above thinking like that. It's not just like 13 year olds. <laughs> it's not just people at university. It's not just like new grads. It's not just like newlyweds or anyone. Everyone is susceptible to this thinking because we're human. Um, and so, yeah, it doesn't matter what age you are, what background it is, we're all susceptible to this thinking, so let's learn how to catch it. Um, and we can see this in the life of David. David did many great things, and the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. He was anointed as a boy he became to become king, and he goes down to the battlefield where his brothers are battling this enemy, and uh, everyone's talking about this great big guy who's like super strong, one of the best athlete, warrior people, and um, they're like, he's big, he's strong, he taunts us all the time, and David comes in and he goes, so what, I've killed the bear, I've killed the lion, and I'll kill him too, right, did he listen to everyone else? No, he didn't, thank you, no, he didn't, um, he goes and he goes and kills the giant, right, and then then there's a, se- a sequence of things that is unpacked about his life, and it says that he sought the Lord and then he saw victory. He sought the Lord, and then he saw victory. He sought the Lord again, and he saw victory. And he sought the Lord again, and he saw victory. And, and um, But 
So there's lots of times where he goes and he's like, I've been in the presence of God. I know we've got the victory. Let's go. And then he comes to the time where he goes to retrieve the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant is what housed the presence of, or kept the presence of God there. And they're like, well, we should have it because we're the people of God. And so he goes to retrieve it. Um, and here's how he decided to go. It says in Chronicles that the whole assembly agreed to do this because it seemed right to all the people. So throughout David's life, he had sought the Lord and seen victory. He had sought the Lord and seen victory. He had sought the Lord and seen victory. And then it comes to bringing the presence of God back. And then they went and did it because it seemed right to everyone. So everyone had made that decision, but what he, what he failed to do was to seek the Lord to find out how to do that. And what happened after that was tragedy. Someone died because of it. And, um, and then in Chronicles, he talks about, he recaps this and goes, it's because I didn't seek the Lord, but now I've sought and now we can go. I've seen that God is blessing this person. Now we can go and this is how we're going to do it. He goes back and seeks the Lord and sees victory again. Sometimes we might be caught out by everyone. Everyone is impacting our decisions. Everyone is causing us to act a certain way or to go and do certain things. But my my call to you tonight is to seek the Lord. And as we seek the Lord, we can discern not only the good, not only the bad things, but also good things, good things and how we can go about doing good things in our life with God. You with me tonight? Great. Um, another example is when Moses sends spies out into the promised land. So the Lord says to Moses, send some men to explore the land in Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. That is in Numbers 13 verse 1. Um, and so Moses gathers leaders, a leader from every tribe and gives them the instructions. They set off on their 40-day quest and bring back pomegranates and some really great grapes. And then in verse 27, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit, pomegranates, really great grapes. Next one. But the people who live there are very powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Scary. You know, so he, they come back and they're like, yes, it does flow with milk and honey, just like, like it was promised. But look at this. And then, um, sorry, just let me catch up. When the people heard the bad part of the report, it spread like wildfire in the camp. And it goes on to say that um, Moses and Aaron um, prostrated themselves, which is to like fall on the floor and like in reference to God and to try and win the attention, to win the attention of God, to seek God and to, um, and what he is saying. And then God goes on to say that all who believed in the bad report could not enter the promise. So if we are going to be a company of people who walk in the promises of God and bear good fruit in every season, we need to capture this everyone lie. There's a researcher storyteller, she likes to call herself, called Brene Brown, says that we're naturally wired to think the worst narrative. Now I could tell you some examples of like when women are walking down the street and they just sort of like give them the eye like this, like, 
look up, look the muffin down. I can't do it like I normally would with my resting face. Like you just look the muffin down. And you, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, ladies. Maybe men. I don't know if that happens to you as well. But women instantly think, oh, why is she eyeing me up? <laughs> what does she want? What a hater. Or like, like that. But in reality, because I do it, um, I'm like, oh, would I look good in that outfit? Probably. I look good in everything. And then I'm like, looking at like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I could rock that. Oh, probably not that one as well. But that's what I'm doing as I'm walking down the street. I'm not hating on everyone. I'm just looking at their outfits, right? But instantly, when that happens to me, um, I'm like, oh no, she hates me. She doesn't even know me. But instantly we like think the worst narrative. Um, or maybe you've been uh, practicing having a needed conversation to your shower head. And um, have you ever noticed, it probably just happens to me, but um, you start, it starts out really well with a good heart and then it sort of spirals like the water that's going down the drain. So too does your fake conversation go down and spiral downwards until you're like, oh, well, that's not what I want it to be like. But, you know, it's naturally, we just think the worst narrative. And so if that's what we do in our, like, in, in, for ourselves, you know, we've got to capture that, that negative thinking. We've got to capture that negative language um, and retrain our thinking and rewire our mind. And the Bible says to transform and renew our mind so that when we are faced with this um, opposite thing or when we're faced with this negative narrative, we can capture it and we're equipped to combat it. Are you with me tonight? So I'm going to leave you with three tips for um, rewiring. The first one, which I've mentioned already, is to remember the promise. What does the Word of God say? There are promises, just like in the first verse in Psalm 1, that says that those um, of the people who follow the laws and walk with God will bear good fruit in every season. That's something that I hold on to. And I say, God, as I keep your Word, as I do and obey what you're saying, I, I hold on to this promise that I will bear good fruit in every season. So what does the Word say? Remember the promise by what God has revealed. What has God revealed to you from the Word? What has God revealed to you as you've sat and listened and said, God, what are you saying? What have you got for me? What has God revealed by someone speaking um, and prophesying? What has God said before and going back to that? And then a top tip, write it down so you can go back to it. Because I um, think that there's some moments where God has revealed stuff to us and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit and you're like, oh, that's good, I'll remember that. And then you go back to remember it and you're like, what was that again? And because it wasn't our own thoughts, like I can remember my own thoughts, but when it's a God-inspired thing, God will remind me, but I think I need to be diligent with the things that he gives me as well. And so my top tip is go back to the promise, and a practical thing is to write it down so you can go back to it. Um, yeah. If you, in the, if you read in Chronicles, um, Joshua stops the people as they're like, oh no, we shouldn't go in there, the bad report. And he goes, no, God has given us this land. Surely we should go up and see it. He held on to the promise, went back to the promise, and he and Caleb were the two people who stuck to that narrative when the whole camp consumed this narrative 
that it was a terrible idea. Number two is to stop generalizing. We need to catch ourselves when we start using terms that generalize. Like everyone is doing this, everyone is saying this, everyone is thinking this about me, about someone else, about something else, about the way that we do things or what we should do, what we shouldn't do. All of them is another general term. Always, oh, they always do that. Catch yourself. Every time, every time I do this, every time, I've tried, I've tried, every time, a generalization. Is it every time? How many times have you tried? Every time, another generalization. And I think we, the opposite of everyone is no one, right? But that's another generalization. So if we can catch ourselves from that word, no one loves me. No one cares about me. No one notices me. No one talks to me. No one cares. Can we capture those words, those large generalizations? And um, as, you, as you catch yourself saying that, do these two things. List. Listen. Everyone's saying this. Okay, well, who are the people who have said it? Because if I was to listen to everyone and actually what they were saying in this room, that's a long time. Do you have that much time in your world? I don't know. I don't, but you know, everyone is saying this, but I, I'm not, I feel this, you know, I'm not saying that there's certain people in this room that I'm speaking to, I'm speaking to myself too, oh, everyone says that I'm pitchy um, when I sing, let me just bring context to that, you know, no, only one person, and did that person matter, yes, because they're my husband, no, <laughs> Um, no, he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't say that. Um, but you know, so like, does that person matter? No. Or everyone says that I have a complex with making sure that all the doors are closed when I have to sit down and watch TV. Yes, most people know that about me, but does it matter? No, I'm still going to close all the doors. No, only six people say that. Now you probably all will say that, but you know, so like, let's list those things because is everyone ever everyone? And is no one ever no one? You know, nobody talks to me. Well, we've got people in red t-shirts. That's their job. <laughs> they, they should talk to you. And if not, is it, is it no one or is it just the people that you really hoped would? Or is it just the people that you think should? You know? Um, is it the people that you really secretly hope would come and talk to you, but you're not going and talking to them? You know, so let's um let's catch ourselves first, and then and then just do a ment. You can do do it physically, but also mentally. Just do a checklist. Actually, is it no one? Is it everyone? Is it all the time? I mean, so to cap to capture our thinking is to stop using these generalized terms. And the final thing, a tip to combating the everyone lie, is to get into the presence of God. The news spread like wildfire across the camp, and Moses and Aaron's response was to face down and get the attention of God. And then God speaks. What God said was a little bit hard to hear. It said that all who believed the bad news would not enter the promised land. If we listen to the everyone lie, then we will be robbed of the promise that God has given to us.
And so our way to combat that is to go back to the promise. Who is the God who gave the promise and what promises has he given me? To stop the general term, to stop the flow of this wildfire. As we stop generalizing, we put this out. It doesn't grow, it stops. And then to get into the presence of God. And so I'd just like to invite the um, worship team to come back up. And um, I'd just like to create a space where we can be in the presence of God. And um, there'll be a space for a number of responses tonight. The first one being is, is are you struggling to, to hear above the noise of everyone? Are you in the camp Are you in the camp with bad news spreading and it's catching on, it's catching on and you're struggling to see that there is a plan, there is a purpose, there is a hope, there is a future? Are you struggling to see because of what everyone else is saying or are you struggling to see because that is your language, this will never happen, this will never work, we may as well be done with this year and move on to the next year or I may as well be done with that person and move on to the next one. Um, Are you in the camp and the news is spreading around you're struggling to hear above the noise of everyone and the second place for responses is do you need to be reminded of the promise have you lost sight of the God who has given you the promise that he is good that he is faithful that he will see it through to completion We've forgotten what it is that he said in the first place. And so I just invite you to stand and to position ourselves to be in the presence of God. Maybe that's closing your eyes and raising your hands. Maybe that is stilling yourself to using Sean's words to to prepare a space for this to land tonight. I'm just going to pray for some people. And so the first lot of people that I'd like to pray for is, are those who are, are struggling to see beyond the noise, the, the chaos of the things that are happening right now, the chaos of um, what others are saying about, about this year, about what has happened, about you maybe. Different things have happened. And to pray that, that God would come and remind you that you would see things from His perspective. And the second part is to be reminded of the promise. And so right now I'm just going to pray as we close. Mighty God, I thank You that You are the God of promises, that You are the God who is faithful, who will see things through to completion. Lord, that you work with us and you walk with us. Lord, I thank you that we can we can walk with our head held high every season, that we can bear good fruit in every season. And Lord, right now I declare your promises, that your promises are to, to prosper, that your promises are to bless, that we can walk in freedom, that we can walk in peace, that we can walk in joy. Lord, I pray that you will come and remind us of the promises. Lord, that we will see a harvest, that we will sow and reap in the same year, that we will have a hundredfold return, 
that we will overflow, overflow with your presence. And this place will overflow with people worshipping, gathering together. And Lord, I pray right now for those who are struggling to see above the noise. Maybe there's patterns of thinking that you're trapped in. Maybe you've tried and tried and tried, but you still haven't seen God's promise and you're starting to echo the noise. Lord, I pray right now that you will come and reveal yourself to each person, that we will return to you. Lord, come and fill each person with your holy presence. Come and lead, come and guide. And Lord, that as we look to you, that you will come and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.